Welcome to Alec Across the States. I'm your host, Dan Reynolds. Today we're going to be talking about a very uniquely state policy issue going on today in many different states. Joining me to discuss this is senior attorney at the Pacific Legal Foundation's Economic Liberty Project, Anastasia Bowden. Anastasia, thank you so much for zooming in here into the Across the States podcast. Thanks for having me. Well, of course. So just to tell our listeners a little bit about what CON is, why it needs to be reformed, walk us through it. Tell the layman who does not know about this policy what it is. Sure. In 36 states and the District of Columbia, medical entrepreneurs have to get what's called a Certificate of Need, or CON for short, before starting their medical business. So if you want to go into business as an ambulance company, or if you already are a doctor and you want to open up a new surgery center, or you're a hospital and you just want to add new beds or purchase a new MRI, in CON states, you have to get a certificate first. And this is not your typical sort of health or safety regulation. In fact, it's not related to health or safety at all. It's solely devoted to proving to the state that your new business or service or medical equipment is needed. That's why it's called a certificate of need. And in practice, it's worse than that. It's not just uh, letting government bureaucrats decide whether something is needed. It goes one step further because what happens is when you apply for a con, the government will give notice to all the existing certificate holders of your application, and they can then protest your application. And if they protest, that means they can show up at your hearing and testify that your new business is not needed because they are uh, sufficient to service all the existing demand. And so in practice, con laws very often turn out to be what we call a competitor's veto law, Mm. because the government just defers to the existing businesses about whether a new business is needed. And as you can imagine, um, the existing businesses are almost always going to say that a new business is not needed because they don't want the competition. And so it's an explicitly anti-competitive law is driving down the supply of much needed, and especially in this time, you know, vital medical equipment and services. Yeah, I mean, it not only sounds terribly anti-competitive, which is just wild to think about in today's society where competition drives the marketplace, it drives entrepreneurialism, and it drives innovation. So it's so interesting to see not only just a terribly long and tedious process that slows down innovation in the healthcare sector, but also having this trigger, let's call it, in the process that allows the existing entrenched cronyist organizations, whatever they are, to come in and and beat down, literally beat down the new little guy. That's uh, that's very interesting to me. What are some specific examples of this to bring it down to a narrative level? You just recently had an article published in the Wall Street Journal, which we will be sure to link to in our show notes today. It was called Government's Ambulance Chasers. It gives a great example talking about a volunteer group of female EMTs. What was going on in Brooklyn, New York? Yeah, so in New York, um, in the Hasidic community there, a group of women got together and decided that what they really needed in their community was a purely all-woman squad of EMTs. And that's because in the Hasidic culture, modesty is very important. And very often these women 
don't want to be exposed in medical situations, which often involve, you know, some level of discomfort and it's extremely personal. They don't want to be exposed to other men when in their culture, they don't have a lot of exposure to men in that way. And so the women there um, wanted to come in and fill this need. And they had to overcome a whole bunch of obstacles just to, to become an EMT squad, which is a whole nother story. But later, once they were established, they also wanted to add an ambulance service. So not only could they treat these women in their community, but they could take those women to the hospital because as it is now, they don't have permission to run an ambulance business. They only have permission to treat. So they go to somebody's home and they, they'll treat this person, but then they have to call some other ambulance squad in order to get that patient to the hospital. And so they applied for permission to operate an ambulance business, but this was a certificate of need state. And so when they applied, the all male group of EMTs in that community actually protested them and said, no, you're not needed. We've got this covered. And they ended up being denied. And this just goes to show, you know, how absurd and anti-competitive and paternalistic really the scheme is because it's telling it's telling people, you think you know what you need, but no, 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 we know what you need. You need to be serviced by the people that are already there. And need in this community isn't just an economics thing. It's not that they're just saying, hey, there's not enough supply of ambulances. Sure. To the Hasidic women, need was something deeper. It was we needed, we have a cultural need that is not being filled by these existing businesses. Um, this is very important to, to our wants and needs and dignity. And that value isn't being provided. And yet the government denied these women the ability to come in and fill that service simply because of this certificate of need law. And it's really a shame for these women, both the patients and the EMTs, you know, who uh, this was very important to their earning a living and, and providing a much needed service in their community. And so you can see the sort of far reaching effects of certificate of need laws, um, not just at a purely economics level, but also on a cultural and personal and uh, uh, individual freedom type of level. How have con laws across the country, or maybe even in particular in New York, related with the current COVID pandemic? We've seen many occupational licenses rolled back or temporarily halted so that we can have healthcare workers go from Indiana into New York or what have you. You know, we've seen Governor Cuomo pleading for other healthcare workers to come and, and help his state. How have con laws been addressed in the situation? Yeah, you know, I would argue, of course, that con laws are bad policy under any circumstances. But in the middle of a pandemic, they're basically the exact opposite of what you want. You don't want medical entrepreneurs to have to jump through all of these anti-competitive hurdles before expanding um, and responding to quickly changing circumstances. You want to allow medical entrepreneurs to be nimble and to sort of assess the facts on the ground and to, to fill needs as they arise. And so the pandemic has led to many governors suspending con laws. They've just been forced to. I represent medical entrepreneurs all the all the time in cases against these laws, and we find that it's very difficult to get any traction or any movement because there's people with deep pockets who have a vested interest in keeping commas on the books, and so usually it takes you know the threat of a lawsuit to get any movement. But during the pandemic, that's just changed a little bit because governors have been forced to suspend these laws because they recognize that these are a barrier to to supply, and so we've seen. I think it's now 23 states total have suspended their con law hmm. in some form. And, you know, I mean, the argument is, yes, that that's very important now, but it's also true after the pandemic that we shouldn't yeah. be rifling these medical entrepreneurs from responding to consumer demand as it arises. Yeah. I mean, 
I said this when it came to occupational licenses, and I think it applies very similar with con reform. If you want to put them back in place, if you want to unrestrict con, uh, if you want to, you know, roll back all the changes that we've done during COVID, I think the onus is on the regulators. The onus is on the the governors across the country because I'm confused if it made us so much more nimble and better to respond to a global pandemic. Isn't that a good thing? Isn't that a good policy that we should keep doubling down on efforts like that? Yeah, absolutely. It's going to, you can imagine, it's going to be a really awkward conversation, right? You're going to say to these people, hey, thanks for coming in and filling the need when we really needed you. And we needed frontline healthcare workers to to provide this much needed service. But now that the pandemic's over, you can go on your merry way now. We don't need you anymore. I think that's that's a pretty rough thing. I hope a lot of people squint their eyes at it because I have a hard time not doing it right now. It almost seems silly when you when you lay it all out like that, really. Yeah, that's right. So what are some other similar examples? In your Wall Street Journal op-ed, you talk about the legacy medical transport group which uh, challenges Kentucky's Certificate of Need law. What's going on in Kentucky? So in Kentucky, they also have a Certificate of Need law, and we are actually at Pacific Legal Foundation representing a small ambulance business that's located just over the border in Ohio. They're a great family-run business. They built their company from one ambulance. The father is a born entrepreneur. He's very scrappy. He's very dedicated to keeping his family together you know, providing for them and providing jobs for them. And so he had actually seen one ambulance on the side of the road with a for sale sign. And he, you know, he didn't see an ambulance. He saw opportunity and he called up his daughter and he said, I've got a great idea for a business. Let's do this. And together that family has grown that company to seven ambulances. They mainly do non-emergency medical transport. So they're not the 911 business. Um, They're taking people between facilities, you know, taking people from their home to the hospital. People who can't just hop in an Uber because they're on dialysis or because they're confined to a hospital bed or they have muscle weakness. So in any event, they've grown this business. They're this wonderful family. And they very often have to take people across the border into Kentucky. But under Kentucky law, they can't take people back to Ohio, which is just absurd. And they also can't do any trips within Kentucky because they don't have a certificate of need. So they applied for one. You you know the rest of the story. The existing businesses protested. They were eventually denied. And we just think that's absurd. It's unfair. And it's unconstitutional because people have a right in the United States to earn a living free of irrational, arbitrary, and croniest government policies. And so we're suing on their behalf so that they can continue providing their great services, um, not just in Ohio, but also in Kentucky as well. Well, I agree with you, and I'm pretty sure most of our listeners agree with you as well. But our listeners are filled with, you know, a bunch of state policy wonks like you and me, and also filled with state legislators. Alex, the largest nonpartisan voluntary membership organization of state legislators in the country. So as we kind of close up here, I always like to give our guests a final moment for your take-home soup. What is the one thing that you really want policymakers around the country and state legislators in particular to take home when they're thinking about con reform and the Pacific Legal Foundation's take or work on it? Yeah, I think one thing is that the pandemic is making clear what we've always known to be true, but what others must recognize now. And that's that healthcare entrepreneurs need the freedom to provide 
services to consumers and that they're in the best position to judge when those services are needed. And so there's a real opportunity for change here. I think this should be a bipartisan issue where people recognize that these laws are anti-competitive. They benefit no one except for the entrenched business interests. And we need to be putting um, the interests of consumers and entrepreneurs before the cronyist interests. So I think there's a moment here for change, and I'm hopeful that we can build on these temporary suspensions and get these awful laws off of the books. We've had many administrations in the past recognize that these are detrimental from the Trump administration to the Obama administration. I mean, this, again, it should be a bipartisan issue. So I'm hopeful that that we can get some movement here. And in the meanwhile, over at Pacific Legal Foundation, you know, we'll be bringing our lawsuits because uh, we want to set the precedent that uh, the police powers can be used for the public good and uh, not just to hand out a favor to, to the vested interests. Well, you've been listening to another episode of Alec Across the States. I'm your host, Dan Reynolds. Today, taking us through a deep dive on certificate of need reform, also taking a look at a few different narrative examples in a couple different states, has been senior attorney from the Pacific Legal Foundation's Economic Liberty Project, Anastasia Bowden. Anastasia, thank you so much again for calling in or zooming in to the podcast. Thanks again. Bye-bye. And if you're interested in having your ideas featured on Alec Across the States, do not hesitate to email us at acrossthestates at alec.org. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Across the States, the leading state-focused policy podcast presented by the American Legislative Exchange Council, the premier free market organization of and for legislators. To learn more about our work or to make a tax-deductible donation, visit alec.org. Tell us what you think on Facebook and Twitter at Alec States. The views and opinions expressed on Across the States are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the American Legislative Exchange Council. 